Welcome to the Blockbusters and Birdwalks podcast. I am the curator, Garrett Chaffin Kirai. Today we have a conversation with a friend, Ed Rosa. That's me. Hi. My filmmaking partner and I have a YouTube channel, Toothless Richard Productions, where you can see a number of our short films. What is Dolomite Is My Name all about? It tells the story of Rudy Ray Moore and how he made the film Dolomite. As a sort of after-civil rights era, more complex black American hero story of how an artist both invents the marketplace to sell their ideas and then tries to not lose their shirt. We're watching Eddie Murphy play this part. I've always known that Eddie Murphy was a huge star because I've always known he was a great stand-up comedian and I've always known him as a movie performer since I was aware of him and of movies both. And he's enacting this part very, very joyfully. Dolomite really was like an, an urban superhero. Dolomite is my name, and fucking up motherfuckers is my game. It's all a total put-on. Yeah. And we realize at a certain point he's developing a protege, a character named Lady Reed, played by Divine Joy Randolph. Who was awesome. She was really winning. And they have a little sort of back and forth that comes up at certain points where they discuss, you know, wearing a wig, putting on the costume, adopting the persona and going in public. Because when you're not on stage, you're just a person paying your electric bill and pouring some coffee for yourself. You're ordinary. Let me pinpoint a scene that got my attention. And it's at the very end of the movie where... We've watched Rudy Ray Moore struggle to first make a persona for himself, then make a comic career for himself, then earn some money, then, and then, and then, and then. Finally, he makes this movie. Nobody wants to distribute it. And he's finally finds somebody who will. He's going to its big opening night, and there's a huge crowd. He feels oh, yeah. fully celebrated, and he's dressed as Dolomite with his friends who are all dressed in their pimp attire. Uh-huh. They look tight, so oh, yeah. does Lady Reed. Oh, yeah. And there's a little boy at the front of the line who's there with his father who wants to get in, but it's sold out. And this kid, who I'm, I'm judging to be maybe maybe 12 or 13, has taken apart Signifying Monkey and other routines in the Dolomite persona and adopted them for himself. And we watch Rudy Ray Moore, played by Eddie Murphy, as Dolomite, deal with this child, and they swap verses and have a great old time yeah. doing it. Let me hear what you got, boy. You heard about Dolomite and the Titanic. There's a new kid around finna be gigantic. Young boy, who in the hell do you think you are trying to topple the world's greatest star? I use an earthquake to make a milkshake. Hey, that's my line. No more. This boy, like everybody else in the audience, understands the artifice. They understand that there's a guy called Rudy Ray Moore who plays a character called Dolomite who I can adjust to fit my needs because it can hearten me in a difficult circumstance called life. Right. And that role can empower me because it also calls to the community of other people who are similarly familiar with these levels. And that's exactly why I didn't get Dolomite when I saw it as a young adult. I had none of that callback. I wasn't trained to realize the levels of artifice and performance and fun making that the movie is involved with. Mm -hmm. So my ignorant ass self said, this is a stupid bad movie. Right. It can be that, but it can be a lot of other things too. And that's cool, because it it opened up a space that clearly people do need, and that's why Dolomite the Persona, Dolomite the Movie, found people. In Um, in a sequence leading up to that, the other really great, like, lasting moment of deep significance, thematically, Rudy 
and his uh, the fellow menfolk, he's his close friends. The entourage. They have a limo, yeah. and they've come to pick up Lady Reed at her yes. home. And she's dressed in her finery and comes out. Looks and they amazing. compliment each other. She does. She's an obese woman, but she's a gloriously beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. And that's partly because she owns the size of her body and recognizes who she is, what she is, what she's all about. She's real smart. She's very blunt. She's quite funny yeah. in some of the sequences. Well, she even has the, a scene earlier in the movie where she acknowledges like her lack of self-confidence. The notion of being on film forever yeah, and risking not looking perfect. You know, you see behind, you know, the performer a little bit. Right. And, and even you see though the she, insecurity. Right. Even though she owns it, she's, she's still totally human. And she says to Rudy, I'm so grateful for you putting me in this movie. Because I ain't never seen nobody that looks like me up there on that big screen. This actress playing this person based on an historical personage that was attached to Rudy Ray Moore, who was in this movie. It doesn't look like the other women in this movie in this cast. Whether it's Dolomite is my name or the original Dolomite, she is an exception. Mm -hmm. And an exception that Rudy Ray Moore chose to spend time thinking about. And then there's Rudy Ray Moore himself. I'm a little doughy. I'm a little thick. Yeah. They keep referring to this because he's deeply middle-aged. Yeah, yeah. he was yeah, 45 or 47 he, or something. He's, he made he's not Fred Williamson back in the day. He's right, not Jim, Jim Brown. Brown. <laughs> he, he's not that guy. Yeah. He's not Richard Roundtree. He's not any of those guys. He's not Ron O'Neill, boy. Yeah. That was probably my favorite scene in the film. And I that was one, there was a couple times where I, I almost got choked up. You know, so much of the film is so, is so funny and fun. The, the moments of that kind of earnestness stand out. I just can't believe I'm back here on this grind. I'm actually worse off than I would before because I don't even own my record no more. There's one other moment that points to this same deep tone. We learn from Rudy, and this is how he bonds with his eventual writer, Jerry Jones, played in a funny way by Keegan-Michael Key, yeah. who's very straight. He's got the white voice. Yeah, you know? yeah. He yeah. does that thing. And plays that part because he's a he's a straight writer writing for serious theater. Yeah, his come on to Jerry is hey we're both from Arkansas and Jerry like just shrugs him off. What do you mean because we're both from Arkansas? Yeah, we got something in common. He says no, we got something in common because we left. Right? Yeah, we fought our way out <laughs> of Arkansas and we're here now. Yeah, and and that kind of does place them in a bond together. When everything starts to fall around Rudy, he's trying to figure. He's doing line readings the night before a big scene, trying to figure out how to do this thing as himself. And then his Dolomite. And then as an improved Dolomite. And then he uncovers in his desk a photograph of his family, where his father is featured. And he begins to pitch his role during this one little scene. And it's, it's about three lines of dialogue. At his father. And all the anger and frustration that he feels about his old man taking yeah. him down and telling him, you'll never be nothing. You'll never be nothing, Rudy. Yeah. And Rudy Ray Moore has become Dolomite. I'm something, Dad. You're just a farmer. It's a striking little moment. Mm-hmm. And it demonstrates... As we've we've learned several times over a long career, that Eddie Murphy can do the thing. He, he oh, can yeah. he can be the serious actor and he can be the light actor. He can combine that scene by scene because he's a skilled guy. He's got a deep range. He, yeah. Oh, he's incredibly talented. That's why so much of his recent work has been so disheartening. Jumping to another character, Wesley Snipes shows up in this thing as Derville awesome. Martin. Awesome who was a notable actor in the very, very narrow band of supporting performances that black actors were able to do in mainstream Hollywood. Mm -hmm. They make jokes at his expense based on that fact, but they hire him as an actor playing the heavy in Dolomite, but they allow him to be the director of Dolomite to recruit him. And Snipes plays this as a very sort of effete, sort of effeminate guy 
who has real affectations of, of taste and mm-hmm. all of that. But there's a moment when he digs in and he says to Rudy Ray Moore as a motivational speech on right. how to get him to perform. Whatever you've been feeling about me, about the money man, about anybody who's ever doubted you, I want you to use it. Connect to it, man. Dig down inside and connect to it and choose it. Put it on camera. Use it, baby. Use it. The cast in this thing I thought was 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 outstanding. In fact, one of my complaints about the film is that we don't get enough of some of these people. Like Mike Epps, for example. I know he's he's super funny and like you know, I was so stoked to see him in this, but you know, we don't get a lot of his character. He's mostly a foil character you know, yeah. for Rudy to be upset with. He doesn't get his own big moment to be shiny and funny. Right, right. But but I know he is, so I you know, I, I, I would I, I wanted more of him. Uh it was so good to see Wesley Snipes back, who yeah. at one time was, you know, Passenger fifty seven, Demolition Man, White <laughs> Man Can't Jump. Or right. He's done uh, uh uh was it um he did um, you know, to Wong Fu, right? Right. Snoop Dogg and, and Chris Rock turning up. Bobby Vale in the morning, WFKK, Indianapolis. There are two white characters in this movie that I want to emphasize as valuable because one, played by Cody Smith, Cody Smith McPhee, who plays a UCLA film school student who shows up with a bevy of buddies thinking they're going to get a job on a union shoot right. and get some real cred so they can graduate. And, and, and then they realize quickly... That's not quite what's going on. But by the way, if you want, you can be the director of photography. So yeah. he's, okay, okay. Yeah. So you watch this kid who, who looks like he's 18 or 19 years old. They joke about how he's probably 15. We watch <laughs> him take a subordinate position and take leadership and direction from a black man. With, and, with arguably, with, with less experience at and, filmmaking. And, and, <laughs> and accept that that's going to be okay. Yeah. And I like, when I see this kind of thing, this, this typical racial reversal of hierarchy... The other note, which is interesting, is after the movie begins to, um, well, it doesn't exactly build steam in the traditional way, but Rudy manages to, to uh, four-wallet right. out of town, right. pays for a theater rental and takes the box, and it becomes this little showcase hit in the midnight screening. <laughs> then a distributor who had earlier refused him come yeah. to the table and said, we'd like to buy this movie. Yeah, DPI. The guy who plays that part, that's Bob Odenkirk, and we know him from Better Call oh, Saul yeah. and Breaking Bad. And he's a Mr. comedian. Show. Yeah, and he's, he's, he's great. One of the funniest comedians I've ever seen. I've loved Bob Odenkirk since I was a little kid. And he comes to the table as this business operator who's trying to both apologize for their previous oversight, but then make a deal because <laughs> he wants to profit on this yeah. thing. And so Rudy and his entourage... And then this guy, Lawrence, played by Bob Odenkirk, and his entourage, they sit down at a conference table, and both sides are very quietly menacing the other because they're trying to have an advantage to make sure they're going to be the one who gets the better end of the deal. Right. Bob makes his pitch, Rudy counters, and they have a, a bit of a moment, but then they come to an agreement. And what we realize is, well, our white man knows that he does depend on the black man. And the black man's saying, you're not taking advantage of me. And they come to an equality. Yeah. That the reach each of them have is a reach the other lacks. They don't need to be cruel to each other or right. take advantage. They can scratch each other's back. They can share. 
They shake hands over after making a very pointed joke about the conclusion of Dolomite, where the bad guy is disemboweled. That they reenact in Dolomite is my name, and it's fantastic yeah. to watch Wesley Snipes suffer through yeah. the scene as Derville Martin. Yeah, with his fake intestines hanging out. Totally, just literally a rope. It's it's yeah. great. Yeah. Anyway, my point is, it's nice to see that white people are visualized in this story world, not exclusively as enemies. But not as the people who make this thing go. Right. They're exclusively supporting characters. They're only in a few minutes of screen time. So we give over then to this gigantic ensemble of very appealing people Mm -hmm. who are dressed in wonderful threads, who enjoy great props, who go to interesting experiences. And they all do it because Rudy Ray Moore, as himself, played by Eddie Murphy, is so sunny and up. He repeatedly expresses, I'm proud of you. Yeah. I'm proud that we did this. Mm-hmm. I'm proud that we're working together. Everybody else be damned. We're doing what we wanted to do and what we set out to do, and it's done. They were so confident in what they were doing and knowing that, the, believing that there was an audience for what they were doing and that they were inspirational to other people. So inspirational that they would get their friends and loved ones to do all these things just to follow him, you know, into battle, basically. None of these people had made a movie before. Right. But they're like, okay, Rudy, we're here for you. Like, let's do this. There, There is another apocryphal story that is packed into this movie, and it's when Rudy has begun to have a success making his way in the world. Mm. He's celebrating with his friends around Christmas time. Y'all want to go see something? Let me treat y'all's picture show. How about Blackenstein? Oh, I want to see Shaft in Africa. Yeah, how about Front Page? The newspaper said it was the best, funniest thing in town. Oh, yeah. I feel like laughing. Let's go laugh. Let's do it. Right. Then it cuts. We watch the, these friends seated in a row in a theater, surrounded by white people. All the white people are laughing at the joke. Philadelphia's where you belong, making up jingles for Burma Shade. And we also watch that Rudy realizes why his friends didn't want to go see it. They leave the theater. They go out. Rudy walks to the marquee and looks at the poster and he's like, why can't we do this? Yeah. Now, I don't know if Front Page was the germ of the idea that I can take my comedy career and become a movie star. <laughs> it, was a, it was Craig Brewer maybe getting his some of his feelings in there. <laughs> well, I'm sure that the screenwriter Scott Alexander and Larry Karasowski were right in the middle of that thing and this will be great. Yeah. Also, it's, it's an apocryphal story which is not necessarily derived from truth sure. but it speaks to a truth because it allows all of these churning things to suddenly come true. The same people who are shushing these men for not understanding why the front page is not funny are not the people who are going to go into the kind of entertainment they might make. But that's precisely the point. Right. The kind of entertainment they might make is not ever going to appear in a Billy Wilder movie. Right. It's only ever going to appear if somebody like them makes it. What does that mean? It means an overweight 40-something black man who's got a real body mouth is going to strip naked and pretend to hump people, and that's going to be whole sequences of the movie. There's going to be weird violence. There's going to be call-outs to an audience, wish fulfillment of getting one over on the police that no white filmmaker is ever going to touch. And there is something magic about that. And some of us go, oh, that's something worthwhile. I'm glad that happened. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, then Hollywood decides they somebody's making money without them. And they want to they want to get in there and they want to have they you know they want to take it themselves and they want to you know make their own versions of it. They're too scared to you know to send up that test balloon, but they sure are interested in sending up a bunch of terrible ones afterwards. Once they're making sure nothing else launches unless they're in charge. Right, right. I got daughters, (laughs) and my daughters will have aspirations with their lives. And every now and then I'll get in conversation with uh, other people, usually dads, and they'll say something like, "Well." You know, you have these ambitions for your kid. What if, what if one of your kids becomes a, a stripper? That's not the path I'd choose for you. 
But if that's the path that you want, do it healthfully, do it well, be better than others, and succeed. Yeah. Because that's the path you've chosen. Yeah. So the reason why this analogy works for me in consideration of this man, Rudy Ray Moore's career, is his pathway as the kind of comic that he was is extraordinarily vulgar and profane. Yeah. And part of the reason why he behaves that way is on purpose, as a character called Dolomite, to carve out a space to be so excessive to then plant himself in the middle of that excess as a real person. Mm-hmm. But you need you need to make you got to clear the air. You got to move the crowd aside. Yeah. And most people don't find that's appetizing. It's pretty insulting stuff. You add your ism, and he's presenting it. Yeah. Does that be, does that mean that's what he believes? That's how he actually thinks? I have no idea. Yeah. But the persona that he uses to illustrate his comic ideas is sharp. Yeah. And, and it's it's funny. Yeah. I watched the first half of this movie on my TV, full speakers, and I got interrupted. And I had to watch the second half with my headphones on <laughs> because there's a way I don't want the people in my house hearing what Dad thinks is funny. Right. Because it's those girls I'm helping raise. Yeah. So, again, the analogy of being on the stripper pole. Well, fellas, ladies, if you want to be on the stripper pole, it's not necessarily the path I think most of us should take. But if you're going to take that path, do it well. Yeah. And that's sort of what Rudy Ray yeah. Moore does with his humor. Not all of us are aiming for art that's going to appeal across the world. Not all of us will be or want to be a Steven Spielberg-esque filmmaker. Some of us are going to be capable of being something much smaller on a more limited scale. Yeah. And if we recognize what those goals and limits might be, perhaps Dolomite is a goal we can achieve. Yeah. And even so, we watch him struggle to fund this thing, to mm-hmm. assemble the right cast and crew, making goofy production mistakes, over-leveraging himself, nearly losing it all. And, of course, the final apocryphal bit that is, again, why this biopic appeals is he did make a success of himself. In the end, he doesn't OD. He yeah. doesn't get beat up by yeah. gangsters. He doesn't go to prison. He succeeds. And we tend to enjoy that in America. And yeah. I certainly enjoy it. It's it's the story of a guy who makes right by his choices. He made seven films, I think it said. Human <laughs> Tornado is the only other one I've seen. Oh, uh, <laughs> I, I, actually, mine is Disco Godfather, okay. <laughs> which I actually like much better than Dolomite. Um, it's, I mean, it, it's bananas. In fact, it's funny. Um, he actually, uh, in this movie, he says he has this phrase that he uses a couple of times, where he says, "Put your weight on it." Yeah. Right. Now. Disco Godfather was my introduction to Rudy Raymore uh, many years ago when I, I saw it because um, I was like Disco Godfather. What the, this sounds like exactly like the kind of thing that I would watch. Yeah, and it was, <laughs> it was, and and he he he's like this this disc jockey at this disco this nightclub, and that's kind of that that's like his catchphrase. You know, put your weight on it, right? And he says it a bunch. So I, I sampled it and I would play it on my radio show. You know, they, they call him the godfather of rap now because, like, sort of... I think he's been lauded as that for at least 20 years. Yeah. So he, so he tasted that. He, he really carved out a, a space for himself. And I, and I think that's the value of, of just following your creative impulse. If you feel so strongly that it should be done, and it should be done a certain way, do it that way. A big part of comedy is comedians that deal with uncomfortable situations in an extremely provocative way because there's almost something cathartic about, oh my God, did he just say that? An audience's responsibility to me is just to respond naturally. And it's not their job to tell you what they want to hear or what they want to see. Audiences are like little kids. If you ask them what they want, they're going to make bad choices because they don't know any better. But it's it's the artists who have to know, no, they might think they want something, but 
I know what they're really going to respond to and what I, they really want. A professor or a research scientist will have a gigantic cauldron filled with Skittles, and they'll ask the first thousand people they see, how many Skittles are in this cauldron? And somebody will say two because they're being jackasses. Right. And somebody will say a billion. But if you ask enough people, and there's a certain critical number, that critical number of people's average will be roughly correct, eerily so. Uh -huh. Masses of people are very good about deciding a median. But they're really bad about deciding something that's exceptional. Right. And, and that's, that's, that's always been something that I've, I've felt about art, is that, is that if it appeals to too many people, it won't be for me when you aren't interested in watering down what you've got, it will appeal to less people, but it will be more rewarding to those people that it does appeal to. Yeah, spicy salsa versus some cut tomatoes. In uh, Dolomite is my name, one of the reasons he's trying to get his records distributed yeah. first before he makes the movie. The guys at the record company are like, you, we can't sell this. Yeah. Like, this is so offensive. And then I was also thinking about, what does that mean exactly? Because I use these words. I try to be selective on where and when I use them so that I keep certain jobs. Yeah, right. <laughs> so right. that I don't offend certain people who call me family or whatever. But I'm fond of a lot of these words. Oh, yeah. Which, which I don't want to overuse here for fear of getting in trouble with Apple. <laughs> sure. But I guess the point is... Profane words are called profane because we all agree to say that they're not correct for polite society. Right. And that gets gendered and that gets sexed and it gets ethnically specific really fast. But the trouble is, these profane words, and we all know what they are, mm -hmm. can mean a lot of things depending on where and with whom they are used. And in some of the sequences of this movie, despite how overtly profane they are, there's a lot of good communication happening. Oh, yeah. That when sometimes you say, F damn, F crap, right. you're getting right to what needs to be said. Right. So uh, the, the so I've seen the subject of context come up recently. Uh, somebody came out with a tape of Joe Rogan dropping a bunch of N-bombs, yep. right? It's a video that's made of clips taken out of context of me of 12 years of conversations on my podcast. And it's all smushed together. And it looks fucking horrible, even to me. I've seen a bunch of people who sort of had defended Joe Rogan. Saying like, well, you know, they're taken out of context, right? And then I've seen a bunch of other people who who believe there is no context in which it's okay, yeah. right? But without context, they're just sounds. If you if you just say a word, any word, and you just repeat it over and over and over and over right. and over again, it, it, it starts to sound like gibberish, so, including your own name. It will right. It doesn't matter the word. Anything that you do, because without context. They're just sounds that come out. So it's, it's, it's always been crazy to me that so many people are fine consuming visually images of horrendous violence. But anytime they hear a sound that is organized <laughs> in a certain way... Oh well, now all of a sudden we're we're Puritans here, and we you know this, we can't do this. This is unacceptable. George Carlin gave us the cardinal right. seven. Shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits. It's all about context. If you do listen through the profane nature of this this text of comedy, that it's about the willful combination of impossibility. To get away with something that makes people kind of go, well, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But it's clever having the nerve to say it. Right. And to rhyme it, in the case of the Dolomite character in yeah. stand-up routines, to have a pulsing sort of rhythmic bass line to the whole thing. He 
Are there any other like like funny little impressions that you've got? Just things that really just tickled you when you were watching this this thing? Uh, uh the the sex scene that actually isn't really in Dolomite. I think it's in um uh I think it's Human Tornado where like the roof caves in on a anytime and, uh, he humps it, it disrupts the world. Yeah, literally the whole world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was great. There was a good detail when we first meet Derville Martin, and they're at a strip club. Rudy comes over to him. Derville is, is uh, making eyes and trying to neck with the woman there, his date, what have you. And, and he says to Rudy, listen, I got an agent. You wouldn't approach a white man like this in a strip club, would you? Right. There's a formality to how the industry yeah. works. But that formality is exactly what Rudy Ray Moore was both ignorant of and choosing to work against, right. which is nice. Well, you just thought you was going to walk up in here and make a deal, huh? Just because you're lucky enough to find me in the strip joint. <laughs> so you know what they say, bro. Luck is where opportunity meets preparation. A great detail that pleased me just to no end. They're shooting the movie. Lady Reed is speaking to a white actor. I'm Rudy's protege. Yeah, I I think I'm what they call in Hollywood um, an ingenue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How how did you become a part of this film? Well, I sort of specialize in playing the bad white guy around town. Mm -hmm. All the black shows need a head. I played the plantation owner at the Ebony Showcase. I played a southern lyncher at the Cultural Center. And I played a rapist oh, wow. at the Wilshire Ebel. Okay. Uh, so you just basically figured out what you're good at, huh? I've seen like Hollywood Shuffle, where you're watching all these black actors. Yeah. Well, you're going to be the robber. You're going to be the rapist. You're going to be the bank robber. Yeah. Oh, you know, but I'm, I'm a British guy who, who was at the Royal Shakespeare Company. Yeah. Well, here, you're criminal number three. Here's your switchblade. Yeah. And so our filmmaker is Craig Brewer. How would this white dude have been in control of this set when the script is laden with... White people aren't authorized to say that. So in the end, this movie, Dolomite Is My Name, speaks to me as a really pleasant comedic experience that is a biopic, that is a metatextual analysis of stardom by one of our leading figures in comedy today, Eddie Murphy, thinking about one of the godfathers of his own art form, stand-up comedy, which turned him into a notable actor. But it's also a rather rigorous defense of art making generally. There's value to not being the kind of person who freaks out when you hear something that's profane. And sometimes you just got to say, fuck. <laughs> yeah, you know. This is Blockbusters and Birdwalks, a conversation between Garrett Chaffin Kirai and Ed Rosa. Boop boobity doo.